Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Run. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Recorded live. Greetings and welcome to an hour of discernment on September 18th, 2016. Uh, welcome to the broadcast, Larry. Well, thank you, and I'm glad to be here. Okay, okay uh, we have a, a guest this week, and I'm, uh, I've been looking forward all week to have this hour and have fellowship. I'm going to introduce my guest. It's all week I have looked forward to this interview with brother and author Edward Henry. How did I come across Edward Henry? A brother in Mississippi sent me a link to purchase a book, The Greatest Lie on Earth, Proof That Our World Is Not a Moving Globe. <clears throat> I then purchased his book, Solving the Mystery of Babylon, The Great Tracking Excuse me. Solving the Mystery of Babylon the Great, Tracking the Beast from the Synagogue to the Vatican in a PDF format. Now, it wasn't until I realized he had written a book, The Gospel, The Perversion of Christ's Grace Gospel. Then it came to my mind, how did one man write all three books? The Anti-Gospel is a step-by-step, blow-by-blow, of how Arminianism has eradicated Christ's gospel. I could see God's hand and the Holy Spirit had given him the strength to write such a book. I then purchased a hard copy of the book. Then I knew from the book that he was a sovereign grace born again in Christ's grace gospel. Now in this hour, we are not going to talk about milk. The author is going to talk about the meat. His book, The Greatest Lie on Earth, deals with real deception. It answers the moon hoax, not with milk, but tells you the meat of the moon hoax. An example in the book, chapter 13, NASA's pictures of the spherical Earth. Chapter 14, NASA's moon missions. Chapter 15 is NASA and Freemasonry. Ed writes like a lawyer because he is a lawyer, presenting the evidence to the jury. When we look at the evidence, we will see who is guilty, and that is nothing but deception using witchcraft, magic, and using imagery. 9-11 was nothing but mind control using the media with the mili military technologies. Ed wrote the book, 9-11 Enemies, Foreign and Domestic. When we understand that the buildings disappear and turn to dust, now we see the real side of the media, mind control, and how the masses have been deceived. On today's broadcast, we're going to discuss his book, Solving the Mystery of Babylon the Great, Tracking the Beast from the Synagogue to the Vatican. Tex Mars interviewed Ed on the Power of Prophecy broadcast in March 2011 when the book first came out. 
I want to write, read a paragraph written by Tex Mars in introducing Ed. <clears throat> who, who is... Who is Edward Henry, and what qualifies him to write his amazing book? Henry is a successful attorney, a constitutional expert. He is an author of three other books. To those who may excuse him of being a Catholic basher, let me add that Henry is himself an ex-Catholic, raised in the Catholic faith by devout Catholic parents. He exclusively attended Catholic schools and graduated from America's most prestigious Roman Catholic University, the University of Notre Dame. He subsequently earned his law degree from a Jesuit institution, the University of Detroit in Michigan. Welcome to the broadcast, Ed. Thank you. Well, and thank you for that. Thank you for that kind invitation, uh, the kind introduction. Um, but all glory goes to Jesus Christ. He has uh, made me who I am and has given me the desire to uh, write the books that I have written. Um, His command is that when given light, you don't put it under a bushel. And I put my life in his hands uh, and basically with the light that he has given me, uh, tried to share that uh, with others. Well, Ed, I'd like to have you share a little testimony and how you became from when you were you how you, you I want you to share with us how you, how you come from being a Catholic to a sovereign grace child of God. Well, it was in January of 1988, and as to how it progressed. That's interesting in and of itself, but the way it happened was that God reached down in his sovereign grace and decided to save me. I had nothing to do with it, so it was his decision. He gets the glory. I cannot glory in anything that, uh, with, with regard to my salvation. Uh, It was not my choice. It became my choice. In other words, my will was enslaved completely to sin. He reached down and he changed my heart. He gave me a new heart so that I could believe in him. And I did. He drove me to my knees and I humbled myself and gave myself to Christ but it was the faith of Christ. And many people have been deceived into believing that people believe in Christ if they're convinced of certain facts. Well, the gospel is certainly the way that Jesus saves. And in fact, that's what it says in the Bible. However, without the grace of God and his sovereign election, nobody can be saved. So his method of salvation is by people spreading the gospel and hearing the gospel. But it is God's sovereign grace. Before I was saved, I was curious about many, many things. 
and other religions. I studied the New Age movement. I realized that it was uh, a deception. And for some reason, I was drawn to uh, a religious bookstore. Uh, at that time, it was Zondervan, and they had many books on their shelves involving the New Age. And I would go in there, and I would see books from many of the different authors, uh, Tex Mars, interestingly enough, among them. And uh, I would uh, read those books, but I had a background in Hindu meditation, and so I could see the deception. And once I understood that all other religions were of the devil and that Jesus Christ was in fact or is in fact Lord of Lords and King of Kings, uh, I was driven to my knees. And by the way, it's by the revelation of Jesus Christ that I was driven to my knees. It was he drew me to the ineluctable conclusion that he is the only way to salvation. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only means, the only way to salvation. But that faith is a gift from Jesus Christ. So nobody can believe in Jesus unless the Father draws that person to Jesus and they have the faith of Jesus Christ. That is the gift of the faith in Jesus Christ comes from Jesus. Well, and at the time you were uh, uh, you were raised Roman Catholic. Uh, can you? That's kind of... right. I was Roman Catholic one moment, and in the blink of an eye, I was a Christian the next moment. Now, after I was saved, I had such a thirst for God's word, and I just could not read enough of the Bible, and I wanted to share it with everybody. I mean, this was a revelation. I was born again. I, I, I knew completely with, with absolute certainty that Jesus Christ is God. And I was shocked to find out that people didn't want to hear what I had to say. And uh, I realized that this is a spiritual issue. Um, early on, uh, I was faced with many, many different Bible versions. I would go into the bookstore, and it was confusing, so I wanted to always get the best, right? So at that time, the New International Version Bible was being uh, uh, propagandized uh, as, as the best, the easiest to read. Well, of course I wanted the easiest to read. So uh, I would read that, but I was always troubled with the end notes, of, or rather the footnotes in that Bible. And I I prayed, I prayed to Jesus to, to reveal to me where his word is because it didn't sit right with me. And again, uh, he led me to uh, certain information that ultimately uh, revealed that his word in the English language is found in the King James Bible, period. All other Bible versions are completely corrupted. There, there are, there's little truths in them, but it, it's like, as Jesus said, um, a little leaven works its way through the whole loaf. 
So if you put just a little bit of poison in a glass of water, it's poison. And so those Bibles are poison, and they have poisoned the churches today. They now preach a false gospel. They, are, they, they can't, if they look for the truth, they can't find it because it's concealed in those Bibles. And let me give you an example. There's passage after passage where there's reference to the faith of Jesus Christ, and that is found in the King James Bible. And the, the, uh, the reference is that not only do you believe in Jesus, but you, you have to have the faith of Jesus. That is, it comes from Jesus. However, in the New Bible versions, that word of is not found. They replace it with in in every instance. And so when people try to find out what is the gospel, is it based on God's sovereign grace? They can't find that answer in the New Bible versions. And people say, well, yeah, but that's just, those are just a couple of words. Well, let me, let me make the point here. If you're driving along the street and somebody removes a stop sign from an intersection and you go through that intersection without the stop sign that was formerly there and you crash your vehicle, uh, you can't, ex- I mean, it, the, the argument can't be made oh, it's just one little word, it's not that important. Well, yes, every word in God's Bible is important. Well, another thing in our, we had a, some fellowship, I've had an opportunity to have some fellowship with you. Could you tell us a little bit, too, uh, about your first book? My first book? Yes. Yeah, I mean, my I mean, first in other book words, was... The reason I bring this up the reason I bring this up is is when I when I realized and had a chance to look through the anti gospel book that you wrote, I I knew I knew and I then I looked at your other books, and of course I I've got three books I have not read them page from page, but it um, you know and also I want to say that in chapter thirty one of his books he's got a whole chapter on the Arminian Bibles. But could you kind of tell us how you got started with the first book? Okay. Yeah, I, uh, there was not really anything that exposed point by point, it seemed, the Catholic doctrine. Uh, I, you know, this is, this is in the days before the Internet. This is 19, uh, a little after 1988, and I was doing a, a, a lot of, reading and research and it just didn't seem and once it once i realized uh because as as i read the bible every time i turned the page it seemed that the pharisees and the scribes were it it, 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 they were in essence the embodiment of the roman catholic uh, uh, uh clerics so i saw that and i i i i thought to myself you know people should know about this and so i wrote it did research and wrote the book Antichrist Conspiracy, and I I posted it on the internet uh, it, as a PDF, free. Well, I wanted to share that with my elderly aunt, and I was talking with her, and she wanted a copy. I said, sure, I'll send you a copy, and I was explaining to her that I would send it PDF because that's all I had, and she said, no, 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 I can't read it off a computer screen. I have to have a hard copy, and so I'm thinking, oh boy, um, what am I going to do here? So I did further research and found out how I could set it up so that I could send her a print copy. Uh, 
my first option was to go and, and, and have it printed at a print shop, but then I, I was going online and they had these print-on-demand websites. One in particular was called Lulu. So I opened an account, I uploaded the thing, uh, I created a cover, and within probably an hour, I was able to send her a hard copy of my book. And, and the rest, I mean, that was the, my first involvement in publishing. I was just simply trying to get her a card copy of my book. And from then, uh, with my next book, I then published that. And uh, so, you know, that, that's how the, the, the publishing end of it started. Well, you know, uh, I, I want to that, – that, that was your – that's your first book, and that's the book that drew me to your – to your writings and you know and now the next where i want to go this next time is i I, this next question i ask you we're going to kind of shift and move in a different direction but you know uh you know i have a website grand design exposed and i've did a lot of research on rome and such but i i i acquired tunnel vision and i want to explain to the listeners and 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 have you address this and I, I wrote it to you in an email, and I, I, I want to read it, read it. You know, so I have not read the whole book, but what I realized is that I acquired tunnel vision when researching Mystery Babylon. want to share some of my thoughts and what I have gleaned from your research in your books. I want to ask a question when we do the broadcast. I, I have been wrestling for weeks going going to trying to to try to share in words not the best writer so bear with me when i learned about the jesuits they were not in my vocabulary realizing they have been left out of most americans minds but in your case uh uh ed it wasn't left out of your mind i mean you you know you were raised catholic so also i was amazed when i see the influence of jesuits have on any society does not matter which country this is when I acquired tunnel vision about eight years ago I was listening to Greg Samaski's broadcast investigative journal when I started listening I didn't know anything about the Jesuits of Rome influence on the New World Order when Eric Phelps would come on his broadcast I was all ears Then I met John Daniels, who wrote the book, The Grand Design Exposed. That is where I got my name for my website. Then I listened to Tom Fress of Inquisition Update read many books on Rome. My tunnel vision was Jesuits in Rome. I learned about these three researchers because of Greg's broadcast. I did learn that you can talk about anything you want to when it comes to the New World Order, but no one wants to talk about Rome. An example, I was on hold waiting to go on Greg's broadcast when the network replaced him for talking about Rome too much. I was totally focused on the Jesuits, and that is what I call tunnel vision. Now I meet Brother Brother Ed, and I realize that he has brought another couple of words into the discussion and no one wants to talk about it. 
Those two words are Jews and the Kabbalah. Then I found, then I found you have wrote a book about the Antichrist and the perversion of Christ's grace gospel. Realizing these words involves education, religion, finance, and politics. About four months ago, a brother and I connected the Kabbalah with the religion of modern cosmology, which is a chapter in, one of, in his book, The Greatest Lie. Then found your book, The Greatest Lie on Earth, which you have a chapter in the book that connects it all to the Kabbalah. I had to really look at the Kabbalah and how it connects with Babylon the Great. The title of your book, Solving the Mystery of Babylon the Great, really made me realize that I had tunnel vision. The blinders have come off when I realized that the word Jews and Kabbalah have made the Babylon much clearer. Because of this tunnel vision, I never looked at your book. And that was back in 2010. I really think it was Christ that took the blinders off. The biblical Babylon the Great is, the, is, is like it is hidden in the forest. If you want to hide a tree, plant it in the forest. I used to listen to Greg's broadcast every morning at 8 a.m. five days a week. One time he had Michael Collins Piper and Eric Phelps on. The broadcast was a debate. Piper was saying it was the Jews who run the world, and Eric was saying it was the Jesuits. I look back at this debate, and it was black against white, and the answer was never addressed. I really think your book addresses this and gives the answer. Over the years, I acquired the view that it was the Jesuits and all roads lead to Rome. I was not far off the target, but what connects the Freemasons, Jesuits, and all the secret societies to make Babylon the Great is the Kabbalah. Now, it comes down to the question. I want to discuss on, on the broadcast, how do you answer the claim, it's the Jews who run the world, no, it's the Jesuits. Now, I have to be honest with you, I used to be, it is the Jesuits. Yesterday, I put your book right on the home page of, of GrandDesignExposed.com, and I linked two of your books on Hour of Discernment's entry page. It's the Jews. It's the Jesuits. It's like Democrat, Republican. How do you answer this question, Ed? Well, that is, for those who've studied this issue, that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? And the answer is yes. Now you might think, what kind of an answer is that? Well, the Jesuits are a secret, or not secret, a rather public, but their, their uh, machinations are secret. They were established by Ignatius of Loyola. And most do not know that Ignatius of Loyola was a Murano Jew. Now, a Murano Jew was a Jew who feigned their conversion to Roman Catholicism and pretended to be Roman Catholic. But they kept 
their Jewish heritage and practices secret. So Ignatius of Loyola was a Murano Jew. In fact, Robert, uh, in fact, uh, many of the, uh, much of the hierarchy of the Jesuits throughout history have been Jews. Their spiritual practices flow directly from the Jewish Kabbalah. The Jews are the hidden hand behind the Jesuit order. In fact, uh, Robert Merricks has, a, has posted uh, th- the names of 390 Jews along with their biographies who were Jesuits. And I think that, that list, the ones he's identi- identified, is the short list. There are many, many more because a lot of the uh, Jesuits who were in fact Jews went to great lengths to conceal their uh, Jewish heritage. So uh, this, this concealing of Jewish heritage is going on even today, not only in the, Je- in the, uh, in the Jesuit order, but in politics. Uh, there are what we call crypto-Jews. That is, they're concealed. Uh, they're, they're Jewish, but they conceal their Jewish heritage. Um, the, um, uh, if, if, you, if you look at the Roman Catholic Church, um, you'll, you'll see that, of course, the Pope is elected by the College of Cardinals. Now, the Pope's confessor is always a Jesuit. All right? Now, if you look at the, the way that the Roman Catholic Church is structured, it is structured based upon the Sanhedrin. So initially, the Roman Catholic College of Cardinals had 70 cardinals. Who elected the Pope from among the cardinals? Well, what, what, is a, what does cardinal mean? Cardinal means chief. So these cardinals are chief priests, the same as, what, as the 70 chief priests of the Sanhedrin. And they the chief priest of the Sanhedrin would elect their high priest. Okay, well, as the uh, uh, College of Cardinals elect their pope, who is the high priest of the Roman Catholic Church. The, um, since 70 AD, there has not been a high priest over the Jews. However, there has been a high priest, and that is the Pope, you see. So that's the, that's the glyph. That's the secret. That's the mystery that people don't quite understand, and that is that the Roman Catholic Church is basically Judaism for Gentiles. It is controlled by the Jesuits, okay? And the Jesuits are controlled by the Jews. It is it, to its core the Jesuit doctrine, their uh, teachings, their spiritual exercises. They're they are Jewish to the core. Could could you could you briefly go over the definition? I I, I just I, it left my mind, but I know where it, where I have it now. But what give us the definition of a crypto Jew? Jews. Uh, somebody who would portray themselves as a Gentile and conceal their Jewish heritage. They're, hence, they're called crypto-Jews, hidden Jews. Um, 
And uh, throughout history, they've been called different things. They've been called Murano Jews. Um, Sometimes they were called conversos. Uh, But the, the, I I, I guess the the term most often used uh, is crypto Jews. Well, let me let me just uh, uh, repeat what you have on a quote from your book on page 48. You know, Ignatius Lalo himself was a crypto Jew of the occult Kabbalah. A crypto Jew is a Jew who converts to another religion and outwardly embraces the new religion while secretly maintaining Jewish practices. I think, you know, could, could you... Add to that any? Well, yeah, that's that 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 is that is the definition of a crypto Jew, and and that is what we have in the Roman Catholic Church. You see, if you look at the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church, they are basically uh, from top to bottom the practice of Judaism, and they are an, an attack on the gospel. You can go back to the Council of Trent, and the Council of Trent was completely controlled by the Jesuits, and there is curse after curse in the Council of Trent uh, against the sovereign grace doctrine that's found in the Bible. So the gospel, anybody who adheres to the gospel, is cursed by the Roman Catholic Church uh, through the Council of Trent which was completely controlled by the Jesuits. Well, you know, reading this part, this is, I, I, I have not read your whole book, but I, I was reading uh, chapter 7, because the reason I was focusing in on, crypto, on, uh, on chapter 7, I know, you see, the reason I haven't t- looked at your book and didn't know you, Ed, is because of my tunnel vision, because... Uh, the tunnel vision was it's all the Jews, it's all the Jews. And you see, when I heard the debate years ago with um, Michael Collins Piper, I have a brother and I, we did some research on this. It only took us about a day to figure out what Michael Collins Piper was because the word Jesuit was not in, in, the, in his book. And that's what, that's what I, I, in other words, I had half the puzzle, see, you know, and, and Jesuit was in my vocabulary. But I wrote this here, you know, everybody's heard this. If you want to hide a tree, hide it in the forest. If you want to hide the Kabbalah, plant it in Catholicism. Isn't that what they've done? Yes. Yes. And uh, if, you, if you look at the, um, how closely the Roman Catholic theology parallels Judaism, it's really rather striking. Um, Many people, for instance, do not know even the lineage of the popes. John Paul II, in fact, um, Yaakov Wise, a researcher, determined that, in fact, Pope John Paul II was Jewish. And I I venture to guess that not not one person in a thousand knows that. His well, chief confidant was was a cardinal, Cardinal Lustiger, who uh, who is an open Jew. I mean, it's it's not even debatable. He's not even a crypto Jew. He's a cardinal. He's a Roman Catholic cardinal, uh, 
in the Roman Catholic Church, and he's a Jew. Well, the next, I, I want to go over a paragraph uh, that you had uh, in in chapter seven. I'd I'd like to I'd like to read the whole thing, and then you take it sentence by sentence. In ancient Palestine, the Jews worked hand in hand with the Romans to crucify Christ. Now, the Jews work hand in glove with the Roman Catholic Church in their effort to eradicate Christ's gospel. The great harlot of Babylon in Revelation 17.5 has mystery written upon her forehead. She is called Babylon because she is Babylonian. She is a mystery because she is masquerading as the Christian religion. Christian labels have been applied to Babylonian paganism to come up with the mystery religion we now know as the Roman Catholic Church. Both the Talmudic Jews and the Vatican share the common Babylonian root. The Jesuits nurtured the Babylonian Kabbalism in Roman Catholic doctrine. The similarities between the imperious Horish Rome woman in Ezekiel 16:14-40 and the mother of harlots in Revelation 17:5 are unmistakable. They are one and the same. Roman Catholicism is is esoteric version of a Babylonian Judaism. The Roman Church appears gentile to the uninitiated but it is Jesuit to its core. Orthodox Judaism appears to the uninitiated to be the Old Testament theology, but it is actually Babylonian to its core. Could you... Could yeah, you, okay, let's, t- let's take it sentence by sentence here. Okay, in ancient Palestine, the Jews worked hand-in-hand hand, uh, with Romans to crucify Christ. Now, first point I want to make here is that as with common Catholics, common Jews as well are as deceived as everybody else. So when we talk about Roman Catholicism, it, it, it is the hierarchy. When we're talking about Jews and Judaism, we're talking about the hierarchy. It, Christ criticized the Pharisees and the scribes. They were amongst the hierarchy that were deceiving the people. All right, when they heard the truth, and God revealed it to them, all right, they, they wanted to follow Christ. So we have to focus in on the hierarchy. Many, many Jews are deceived, just as many Roman Catholics are, just as many Methodists are, just as many Lutherans are. There's a, there is spiritual deception, uh, but there are those in the hierarchy of religious organizations that know exactly what's going on. They are, they are the devil's disciples. So now, now that we established that, let's talk about ancient Palestine, the Jews working hand-in-hand with the Romans to crucify Christ. The first point I want to make is that the crucifixion of Christ did not take Christ by surprise. It was prophesied, and it was planned just the way, it was just the way Christ had prophesied it. Uh, 600 years in, in, in advance, he had prophesied that Judas would betray uh, Jesus. Now, by the way, this, this illustrates the complete lie uh, that man has a free will. The Bible says that man's will 
is enslaved to sin, okay, and he is not free. Now, if Judas had a free will to choose whether to betray Christ or not, then Jesus was rolling the dice on whether Judas would crucif- would, would uh, betray him and, uh, and, and Jesus would be crucified. God is not a gambler. It was certain that Judas would do this. It was prophesied that he would do this. And if you recall, uh, Jesus uh, gave Judas a command to go and hurry, okay, uh, and, and, uh, um, and I can't remember the, uh, the, the passage, uh, but he gave Judas uh, orders to hurry up. Yeah, I think it's in John, John chapter 13. He said, uh, uh, thou doest do quickly. And then Judas went and, be, and betrayed him. And what people don't uh, often miss, and I, I, I've never heard this preached, I've never heard this explained, that in John chapter 18, there's a passage when Judas came with the, uh, uh, to arrest him, to have him arrested, and they had weapons, and the chief priests were there, and the Pharisees were there, and when Jesus, they, they, um, uh, uh, when Jesus said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Now, that's in John chapter 18, uh, verses 3 through 6. If you read that passage, you'll see that they fell to the ground. And what Jesus was illustrating there is he was in complete control. They weren't arresting him uh, against his will. He was willingly being arrested. He was God. He was allowing it. He could have stopped it. And he illustrated that point by making them fall backwards to the ground. And then they got up. And, and they arrested him. So, if you, and if you look at those passages, it's interesting that the, um, the entire crucifixion was done at the, um, as, as God the Father was controlling it all. Because if you look in Acts, there's the, uh, it states that Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And that's in Acts chapter 4. So if you read Acts chapter 4, you'll see it was God was controlling everything. And he determined that Jesus would be crucified. Now, who were the prime movers, the prime conspirators behind this crucifixion. Well, if you look at Acts chapter 2, it says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Okay? And it states that him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, so here's God determining what's to be done, it says, Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So it was the high priests, or the chief priests, uh, along with the high priests, of course, uh, who conspired to have Christ crucified. It was the men of Israel that were behind that. The, uh, the Romans were simply the tool in the hands of the Jews. They were 
behind it. Uh, and, you know, Jesus told Pontius Pilate, you know, you, you, you don't have any power over me except it was be given from above. So God was in control uh, throughout the entire thing, and it was the, the Jews working hand-in-hand with the uh, Romans to crucify Christ, but the Jews were calling the shots. They conspired ahead of time uh, to have uh, Christ crucified. In- comment. I got a comment, Walt. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yes, I just want to uh, make a point. There's a chapter in Brother Edward's book that is really very good at explaining what he's just gone over. And I've read it succinctly, and I think, Brother Ed, you've done a phenomenal job of covering this this whole issue, and that is in, your, in the 19th chapter of your book. And this is a – I'm not trying to jump ahead too much, but the title of the chapter is, Does the Sovereign Holy God Create Evil? And I think you are so succinct, uh, you don't get into second causes and permissive will and and all of this other stuff, you go right to the point, and you use biblical scripture to back up the fact that God is sovereign over all things, including evil. And uh, that is the very nature of what God used to call me to himself, is understanding that there are no maverick molecules, and that Christ is is over all things, including uh, you know who he chooses and who he doesn't choose, uh, who he raises up and who he who he hardens, but anyway, I refer. I would like to refer all of the the listeners to really go and study not only the 19th chapter but also the ninth chapter of your. Obviously, read the whole book. But my two favorite chapters in your book are the ninth and the 19th chapter. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, Isaiah 45 verse seven. You know, God flat out says. Uh, that I make peace and create evil. I mean, stop and think about it. Uh, He orchestrated the crucifixion of Christ, which was an evil act. Christ was innocent. You read the the book of Job. All of the things that that God brought upon Job, that, that was at the hand of God. So people think, well, in order for God to create evil, he must be evil. No, no. Because in Isaiah 45, God says, I create light and darkness. So he parallels his, the creation of peace and evil with light and darkness. Just be, and, and, and he creates darkness. Is there any darkness in God? No. The Bible makes it clear. There is no darkness in God. But he creates darkness. So he creates things that are of no part of his nature. And that's, people don't. I mean, this is not preached for some reason. I I don't, you know. Well, I think so many people, like you state in your book, brother, is that they they cannot understand the distinction between God authorizing sin, God being the author of sin and evil, and how he can still separate himself out from it. In other words, he is holy, he is just, he is pure. He's separate, he's harmless from sinners. And one of the other things I wanted to point out in this talk about Rome, I was sharing with Brother Walt, you know, the first time that I realized, you know, because I didn't have a strong historical background, but the first time that that I realized that Rome and Mystery Babylon and everything associated with it 
was really, you know, um, uh, sent by God. I mean, in other words, in the Second Thessalonians chapter two, it describes Rome, and it says in the fourth chapter, "Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he in God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God." I mean, when I read that, I told my wife, "That's the Pope," you know. But anyway, uh, as I went down through here, in verse 11, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And we can see even the Old Testament that God sent a lying spirit in some prophets. And so God raised up Pharaoh that his name might be declared throughout the whole earth. So God does everything that God does, he does to exalt himself. And so, you know, I just, I think that point cannot be overemphasized. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, the, the uh, it, getting back to the crucifixion in particular, um, one thing that's really, that comes through clear when you read the gospel account, that they conspired, they conspired, it states in Matthew chapter 26, they consulted that they might take Jesus subtly and kill him. So they conspired yes. to kill him. But if you talk about conspiracy today, no, that's, that's beyond the pale. You, if you talk about conspiracies in politics and religion, and they, it's like, no, you're a conspiracy theorist. They, they shout you down. Uh, you, know, uh, you are marginalized. And part of the reason for that is that the Jewish hierarchy does not want anybody to look at the crucifixion of Christ as a conspiracy, because if they do, then you'll see that there was a Jewish hierarchy that, was, that, were, that, that were behind it, and they conspired to crucify Christ. Is, is the passage in Revelation that refers to those who say they are Jews and are not, would that would that would that be a definition of the crypto Jew there? Um, <laughs> that that is a very deep question. But let's get into it now that you've asked. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. That's gonna ta- that's gonna take some time here. That's okay, believe, brother. We can we can we can. I, know, I believe I um yeah I believe that that's actually a reference to those that claim to be Christians but right, are not. Right. You see, because uh, that's the, speaking the, of the, spiritual Israel, not not. In other words, they're they're saying they're spiritual Israel, but they're not spiritual Israel. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now I can't be dogmatic about this. Okay. But yeah. I, that's how I view that as the, the tares in the church that claim to be Christians, but they're not. Well, I, I would tend to agree with your interpretation there because we see in the ninth and the 11th chapter Romans, he says that those are, you're a Jew who's circumcised of the heart, not outwardly, but inwardly. There you go. There yeah. you go. It's, and, that, that, um, and I agree with you. That's yeah. how I view that passage. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. 
Now, if we if we continue uh, with the the quote and we talk about the now, the Jews work hand in glove with the Roman Catholic Church in their effort to eradicate Christ's gospel. Yeah, there's no question about that. If you look at the uh, the Talmud, just take the Jewish Talmud. I mean, in in their track uh, at uh, tractate uh, Gittin 57b. They, say, they state that Jesus was sent to hell where he is now punished in boiling excrement. Wow. Okay? Now, uh, you parallel that with the Council of Trent, which in their canons 12, uh, 24, and 30 curse the grace gospel. So if, if you say that salvation is by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, according to these canons in the Council of Trent, you are accursed. So the Jews curse Christ and Christians. I mean, I just cited one passage out of the Talmud. There's many that also uh, uh, curse Christians. Uh, so they're, they're going, they're hand in hand in agreement with the, their enemies of the gospel. Okay. Well, and I, I think also that the the whole emphasis on the modern day ecumenical movement and this preoccupation with the statehood of Israel, and 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 the dispensational theology and teaching that you know that there are two and three different ways to God, and in other words, it's a denial of the efficacy of the atonement, and it's a a it's it's focusing on. Again, the physical Jew, and is focusing on, on and your, your point is well made about the alliance between the Roman Catholic Church. All you have to do is look at Perez and the relationships over there, and how they've given all the land over, you know. And so we see that. I mean, Pope Francis is right in there, you know, doing these ecumenical, bringing this one world thing all together. So. I see all of this as a culmination of absolutely denying Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Yes, yes. And in fact, if you read the Roman Catholic Catechism, they actually um, they have accommodation for virtually every religion, even, uh, even Satanists, that they're yeah. not beyond salvation. The only, pers- the only persons in the Roman Catholic Catechism who are out? Who cannot be saved are born again Christians. Now they don't say it like that. What they say is those who reject who, who are um, who reject the Pope as the head of the church, with knowledge that he is the head of the church, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, are cannot uh, are, are damned to hell basically. And and the, the, what they what they're describing is born again Christians, but those who are uh, who, who believe in Islam, uh, the Jews, uh, atheists, they're all you know if they acknowledge the the Pope as the head of the church, they're good to go. And and in fact, the Roman Catholic Church, it, well, even Protestants, John Hagee is a good example of that. They don't need to believe in Jesus. The Jews don't need to believe in Jesus, according to John Hagee. Uh, to be saved, to get to heaven? No, they're, they've got a, they've got their own promise. They don't need they don't need Jesus Christ. And in fact, that's the that's the view of Christian Zionism. 
which he is at the forefront of. Now, if you if we look at the uh, if we continue to read and we see that the great harlot uh, of Babylon uh, in Revelation seventeen five has mystery written upon her forehead, she is called Babylonian because she is Babylonian. Uh, now, uh, this is important because we have to understand that the Roman Catholic Church was Judaized from the beginning. It's not the Jesuits, okay? Uh, they're the caretakers. They're the ones who are sent in to make sure that everything runs uh, the way it's expected to. But the bottom line is the Roman Catholic Church was Judaized from the beginning. And Judaism is actually polytheism. People don't really uh, realize that, but they, they pretended to worship Jehovah, but they actually had, uh, they worshiped many gods. And these Babylonian Judaic customs uh, ultimately found a home in the Roman Catholic Church. And we see this Judaizing of the Roman, of the, of the, uh, or attempt to Judaize the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Christian uh, doctrine. Uh, early on in Galatians chapter 2, they talk about how Peter was deceived and he was being subtly uh, 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 swayed into following the Jewish custom, uh, you know, and the, uh, uh, there is passage after passage uh, in, the, in the letters from Paul warning against the Judaizing of the gospel and perverting Christ's grace gospel. So twisting the gospel and uh, swaying people to dispense with the grace of God and add works, works of the law uh, in order to be saved. And, of course, that's what the Roman Catholic Church has done. They, they have Jesus as sort of an ornament, okay? Yes, you believe in Jesus, but you also, in addition to having faith in Jesus, their Jesus, which is a different Jesus than in the, in the gospel, by the way, uh, in addition to that, you have to do good works in order to be saved, okay? And they, they lose sight of the fact, or they purposely deceive people, that the faith is not of the free will, according to the gospel. It is, as I mentioned earlier, a gift of God. It is the faith Amen. of Christ. See? And we see that if you, read, if you read Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, it talks about the faith of Christ. We are justified by the faith of Christ. And so one of the one of the ways they have twisted the gospel, the main uh, uh, way they twisted the gospel, is by uh, having people turn away from the the fact that faith is a gift, that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Now, continuing on. We have, it says, it says here that uh, she is a mystery, okay? And I, I state that she's masquerading as the Christian church, having Christian labels, but in fact, uh, both Talmudic Jews and the Vatican share a common Babylonian root. Now, um, we're going to talk about something that's a little, um, little touchy. And so if there's young children, I think they should, because I, I don't, 
this is this is an area that is um, it's this is really difficult material because when we start talking about heathen religions, then we necessarily are going to be talking about what the what their religious beliefs are. So if there's any small children around, you might want to shoot them out of the room. So we're going to talk right now about what hey, is I, the yes. Are you guys hearing a lot of noise on the line? No. Okay, good. What's it, then it's just on my end, so go ahead. Okay. Um, Babylonian, the Babylonian source for both Roman Catholicism and Judaism is based on phallic worship. Now, that may sound um, fantastic to say, but in fact, phallic Phallic worship is the oldest form of idolatry, uh, which we're told time and time again in the Bible to, to flee from. Uh, and in fact, the Roman Catholic um, Mass is, in essence, a mystical sexual union between a goddess and a phallus god. Now, they it is... There are two aspects to the Roman Catholic Mass. There is a this, the um, the blasphemous one, which they they say is a reenactment of the crucifixion of Christ, which is blasphemy in and of itself. But behind that is um, the Judaic um, glyph that, and it's esoteric, and it has sexual meaning. The if you look at uh, Judaism, in fact, they part of their religion involves uh, sexual union with Shekinah. Shekinah is one of the goddesses that they worship, and in fact, if you see at the Wailing Wall and other places, you see the the uh, the Jews swaying back and forth. Well, they're simulating copulation with Shekinah. That's what that is. Wow. Now, th- this may sound fantastic to you, but I'm, I, can, I can go to right to the source where the, the Jewish authorities admit to this. This is not, this is not, this is not something that, uh, uh, that I'm just making up. This is uh, directly from uh, Jewish authorities. So this phallic worship is found in Freemasonry, it is found in Mormonism, it is found in all of the heathen religions. This is common, which is why in these religions there is a lot of sexual abuse, sexual misbehavior, because we're dealing with spiritual abominations. We are dealing with possession by devils. These priests are driven to molest children because they're possessed by devils. Because if you read the Bible, okay, God explains in Romans chapter 1 that when a person now uh, engages in idolatry, and as I say, the, 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 the foundational idolatry of all of these religions is phallicism, they then degenerate into homosexuality and other abominable sins. Uh, and uh, uh, Paul states in, in Romans chapter 1, he goes right through the progression. And you see that in the Roman Catholic Church. You see that in Judaism. 
pederasty is rampant not only in the Catholic Church but also in Judaism because they are both phallic religions. They both involve devils, and uh, you know Lucifer is in ultimately in charge of those religions. In in also. Um... Can it be said that uh, Roman Catholicism and Judaism, they both deny the resurrection? Um, just, just the other day, the Pope, the Pope came out. I should have had it so I could quote it. Uh, but in other words, when you look at the Mass, and they keep, you know, the Pope carries that stick with the dead Jesus on the stick, Right, you know, right. Our, our, you know, I just had a brother today just send me, you know, our, the, you know, Christ is on the right hand right now. He reigns today. In, uh, in other words, uh, you know, and the, and the Pope said, I can't quote, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, but he's, he said, uh, you can evangelize, but you can't talk about a resurrected Jesus. That's what he said. The Pope said just a couple of days ago. That does not surprise me. That does not surprise me. Uh, well, I I know that the Pope Francis is, and it's been all over that he has intimated that it was dangerous to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And all, all yeah. the only re, the only reason he's promoting that is he wants everybody to come through him, of course, or his priest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But the 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 uh, this this homo homosexual movement um, with same sex marriage is all part of bringing this this these religious beliefs into general society. Um, you know the uh, Aleister Crowley, who was a high Freemason and Satanist, he was called the Beast, uh, and proudly proclaimed himself as the wickedest man on earth. Uh, one of the tenets of high Freemasonry is that if they engage in homosexual acts, culminating ultimately in the rape of a child, the dark Masonic secret known only to the very highest adepts is that that's the way to immortality for them, to engage in the most abominable of sins. Mm. See, so these people in in the Roman Catholic Church uh, and, and one of the hidden secrets of all of this molestation, the thousands and thousands of children being molested, is this is this is satanic ritual abuse. Every once in a while it comes out, the satanic nature of this, but it is something that they will not discuss. They, uh, and, and the Catholic Church actually has a system to protect their priests and shuffle them from parish to parish. And the way they do that is because the Catholic Church is actually a sovereign nation, they will send in a diplomatic pouch sealed orders directly to the priest who is now going to be suspected of the molestation. And the Monsignor gets the order. He's not allowed to open them. He handles a sealed document to the priest. The priest then gets orders as to where he's going to go next. It indicates in the orders he's not to tell the Monsignor or the bishop. He then packs up, leaves, and when they come to arrest him, the law enforcement official is told by Monsignor, I don't know where he's gone. And that's true. He doesn't because he received sealed orders from Rome. 
It's the way Rome protects their pedophile priests. So this is this is what you're dealing with when you're dealing with um, Roman Catholicism. It is Judaism for Gentiles. It is Babylonian, and Babylonian is perversion. You, you know, Ed, too, kind of getting back to my question, is it the, is it the Jews or is it uh, the Jesuits? Aren't they don't don't they use those two to play? In other words, there's only there's in other words, one blames the other. Well, no, the 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 Jesuits are it's it's a um, it's it's the same way with Freemasonry. They they're they are outwardly portrayed as a Gentile organization, but the the core the gut is Jewish. Freemasonry, every all of the all of the the uh, they have and certainly they have Gentiles who are in uh, and among uh, the Jesuits, just as there are Gentiles in Freemasonry. The the thing is they they become inculcated in the uh, Kabbalah. They become, yeah. in, in, in essence, part of the, the Jewish way of thinking. And you, you have to understand that what we're dealing with is something that is very dark and spiritual. So these people are oppressed by dark spiritual powers. Uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And so these, we're dealing with people who are possessed by devils. They go through rituals where they, where they end up devil-possessed. So that's what we're dealing with when we're dealing with mystery Babylon. So it's, we're dealing with dark powers of the devil. And the most evil things you can conceive of, that is part of their doctrine. Sin is part of their doctrine. And so when you... Uh, you know, and, and, and I touched on some very disturbing things, and I'm sorry I had to do it, but people have to understand that the facade that they see in the Roman Catholic Mass is just a way of, of inculcating people into this uh, Kabbalistic system, and that's what it is. That's exactly right. I know when I was involved in the New Age movement, uh, and here in Kansas City there's a movement called the Unity School of Christianity, and that's what I was involved with. And it was very Kabbalistic. In fact, they would talk about, you know, the fact that evil does not exist. In other words, denial of evil and the light, the light bearer. Of course, we know that's Satan, Lucifer. And also, the big thrust was around the unknowable and the extra, you know, the, in other words, there's no absolute. The only absolutes are, and there aren't any absolutes, and the absolutes that we can affirm is those that are unknowable. And that's how they get into this secret mystery, uh, you know, and you have to rise to certain levels before you have the mystery and all of that. Yes, yes. In, in Freemasonry, they're always, they're always searching for more light. They want more light. Well, ultimately, they're, they're exposed to Lucifer, who is the light bearer. Right. Ultimately, they are, they are informed once they, are, they have proven themselves, okay, they make their bones, so to speak. They have proven that they are evil enough to, under, to, to be revealed that, in fact, Lucifer is the god of Freemasonry. It's the can same you, with the Roman can, Catholic Church. 
There, there's a lot. Let me, let me. I think because you can be a, a real value here. There's some of my very good, and I, I kind of posed this with Michael Adams on the. We didn't get a chance to really explore it, but there are certain brothers that you know they are in shock over why anyone would discuss the flat earth or NASA or any of those things as being fraudulent, you know, and all of that. And they, you know, it's almost as if, you know, don't tell me I don't want to know kind of syndrome. It's almost like, it's almost like, you know, the unknowable thing. In other words, if I don't know about it, I'm not responsible for it. You mm-hmm. know, can you, can you mm-hmm. kind of touch on, you know, the, the linkage between the Kabbalistic educational system and what brought about all of this preoccupation with heliocentrism and 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 NASA and all that? Just kind of a, br- a broad overview. Okay, well, the heliocentrism is actually, it's not a scientific, it, it's become a scientific theory, but it originates as a religious doctrine. It was a secret religious doctrine of the Kabbalah. That's the source of heliocentrism. So it's a religious belief. It's a heathen religious belief from Babylon. And many of the things that that are done in general society is basically they want to Judaize the entire society. And and you'll see that with the... um, uh, the sodomite community uh, with the same-sex marriage and now the transgender community wanting to have their restrooms and so forth the, uh, or go to whatever restroom they want. Ultimately, um, and I, you know, but do you see a ultimately what, the, what, what, what they want, what they want is exactly what uh, was practiced by that is practiced by the high Freemasonry, they want to legalize pederasty. That's what they're mm-hmm. shooting for. That's what they're working for. All of these uh, LBGT communities, all of these LBGT communi- uh, organizations, that's part and parcel of their political movement. That's what they want. They won't talk about it, okay, publicly, but the, in, within their organization they do, and they work for that. They, 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 they push that. And now well, I don't, back I don't to, think – yeah, I just want to interject one thing. I know that 20, 21 years ago within the state of Missouri, because I had – you know, the people that I reported to were adamantly affirming the fact that adopted children should be placed with homosexuals and mm-hmm. that, that, that foster parents should be licensed as homosexuals and so on, of course – People that know my story, you know, that's why I was terminated from the state of Missouri because I refused to license homosexuals and place children with homosexuals. And, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, that was 20 years ago. Uh, Of course, we filed a federal lawsuit against them for religious discrimination, and and that's another story. But if that case were going on today, I would be rode out on a rail. Yeah, because society has been corrupted. That much absolutely. further. You're absolutely right. And the uh, you're one of the few people that understand the danger of the sodomite community. But getting back oh. to your question about, about heliocentrism, heliocentrism is the core of many of the, of the corruptions within society, not just, the sodomite, not just the sodomite community. That's just one aspect of it. But 
that flows from this idea that we evolved from apes. Evolution. Okay. All of this, all of this finds its source in heliocentrism. This idea that God is, uh, well, with heliocentrism, you don't need God. The the, the universe starts with a big bang. There's no creator. Okay. They've removed God completely from creation. It's a big bang. There's, and so once you remove God from the consciousness of, of men, then man can become a God unto himself. And so when man becomes a God unto himself, then the only rules he knows are the lusts of the flesh. Okay? How would you answer someone, because this just came up, how would you answer someone that comes at you and says, uh, flat earth has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, if Jesus, <laughs> if Jesus is God, see, that, that's the crux of the issue. That is, if you have to either, you have to make a decision about Jesus. Right. If he is God, okay, then you should bow down and serve him. If he is not God, that makes him a liar and you should reject him. So, it, 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 you can't say that Jesus was a good man if you do not believe he's God. Right. You see, there is, right. there's no middle ground. It's so what you're, what, you're saying, what you're saying is if you deny the Christ revealed in the Bible regarding creation, you cannot affirm the Christ in redemption. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Because... Yeah. His creation reveals his character. <laughs> the invisible yeah. things of God are revealed through his creation. The Bible says so. So um, if you reject his creation as he created it, then you're rejecting Jesus Christ because Jesus did not make a heliocentric universe. Now, I'm not saying that people can't be deceived and still about heliocentrism and, and, and not be saved. Right. Uh, they right. can be deceived about it, still be saved. But once being shown and once being, how can they reject it? They, they would have to, they would have to reject Christ then, wouldn't they? Well, they're, I mean, they're I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, if, I'm, I'm if, asking if, this. No, I think that if he, you know, again, it gets down to, you know, when he talks about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if God's Word, if His Word is God-breathed, okay, if God's the one that that proclaims His Word to us, and then if people go about, set about to, to reject it, uh, it, it causes me grave concern. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I mean, people, the people who are saying that they are the... You know that they believe that they are one of His, and that they have hope in the gospel, and that they believe that, and and they uphold the doctrines of of election, and and they they believe in the total depravity of man. They say, and they believe in, in the conditional election and irresistible grace and the final perseverance of the saints and all those things. But then at the same time, they reject, you know, all of these scriptures that account for the fact that we're we're stationary and that we're not flying through space at 66,000 miles an hour. Right. Yeah. I, you know, that's a, I, I don't, I don't know. This is, this is yeah. really, I mean, you kind of have to take the whole package. 
Yeah. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it's just like I, I remember. I remember the first time I read through the eighth chapter of Romans, and man, it just. I mean, it just threw me. I mean, I was raised in Arminian background, and I remember this old Baptist saying, "This is a golden chain of salvation." He says, "You know whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate, and whom he predestinated, uh-huh. called, and whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he glorified." And and I thought, man, if I don't accept all of that, how can I accept any of it? Very good point. You know, and I can remember again. Uh, it being in an Arminian church, not knowing any better as a new Christian. Right. And I would come across the passages in, let's say, John chapter 6, okay, which yeah. clearly talks about the sovereign election of God, and I didn't understand it. I'm yeah. reading this, and I'm, I, I just would skip over the passage. Oh, I'll get to that later, which, <laughs> which I realized that, you know, it, yeah. it didn't make sense to me because it was completely... Yeah. It was completely different from what was being preached. And I'm sitting there, and you then don't, I would go out, and then I would go out and evangelize and try to convince people to be saved, not realizing that I should just be spreading the word. Okay. Yeah, he said. He said the reason you don't believe on me is because you're not of my sheep. <laughs> my sheep yes. hear my voice; so they follow me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, and of course, I I, I had I had a, a a double problem initially for the first year or so. Uh, looking at the uh, New International Version Bible, looking yeah. at, and then and then migrating to the New King James, thinking that was more conservative, not realizing realizing that was also corrupted. Uh, so yeah, it and so I know how this is difficult for people sometimes uh, because I've been through it. Well, on the other the, part, I mean, from, people, from, yeah, from a secular look, standpoint, let's just look at it from a. I mean, you've got all of these people. Let's just let's just graciously say that they are in Christ. They they have the faith of Christ. But these all of these people that are of Christ in Christ, they still are working for these corrupt systems. Like for an example, they're science teachers, they're physiologists, they're they're nuclear scientists, they're and they have to uphold the heliocentric model or they're gonna be thrown out on their ear. That's right. They, they That's right. Say, Ed, could you address this? I, I've, I've, I've read about it, but how, how did it happen? How did it happen that uh, that uh, the evangelical world, I mean, the, the Bible colleges and the seminaries, that you know, and all the creation scientists, they all are, they're all are heliocentric. They have one foot in the in the Kabbalah and one foot in the Bible. How did that come about? Well, the um, this co- this goes back uh, actually when you when you look at how this all developed. Um, I mean, Calvin and, and Luther were geocentric flat earthers. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This was Satan had certain people that were given um, certain. Uh, they were promoted. I, I you know I I can I can um, cite for you um, Isaac Newton as an example. I mean, 
his theory of gravity was necessary. It was it's based on the Kabbalah. It but it it's it's a myth. It's unsupportable. It probably, but he probably. had to be promoted. He had to be promoted as a great thinker, as a genius. Um, you know, it, it, the the devil he he controls this whole thing. This is well planned, generation upon generation. Uh, and and now our school system. I mean, you you walk in first grade, first thing you see is a globe. Well, it, it, probably the answer to the question is uh, is uh, they overtook uh, the whole educational system. I mean, uh, the universal universities, uh, to, uh, every university in the world teaches heliocentric. Yes. So that's that. So so when a school teacher becomes a school teacher, or a minister becomes a minister, he uh, he's indoctrinated into heliocentric, and then if he thinks anything different, then he loses his job, or he has to go along with the crowd. It, it, you know, yeah, it's it's, you know. it's the the heliocentric system is is so uh, deeply entrenched. I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there is a school in the United States that teaches flat Earth. I don't either. I don't. No. Are, are geocentric? Just take it to geocentric. Well, there are there are astronomers that are in universities that are geocentric. There are a few of those. Yes. Uh, Gerald Bow is one of them. Uh, there are a group, a handful, a handful. But I don't believe there are any any professors in any universities. That are flat Earth. Yeah. I don't. I. I. And I don't know of any school that well, teaches the thing, that. The, the thing of it is, it, it's kind of a trap in in today's world because we've we've been we've had such a lid on our our learning. Uh, in other words, we've had a cap. I mean, I remember when I first came upon a heliocentric, geocentric back in 1996 when I was driving truck. I mean. And I couldn't say anything, and I was very bashful to even mention it, you know. And and you know, and now now the because the more you talk about it, you you realize how ridiculous it is. I mean, it you know, heliocentric is just as is uh, absurd as as evolution because you have to have heliocentric to have evolution. That's right. Without without heliocentrism, evolution is dead. Uh, evolution yeah. is ridiculous anyway, but it's it it only has any legitimacy at all because people have been hoodwinked into accepting that we are spinning at a thousand miles per hour at the equator. Just stop and think about how ridiculous that is. I mean, it's just so silly. Uh, but people, I, I mean, people believe they've been taught to believe that. I mean, it just gives you an idea of how people, how corrupt people are, and how corruptible, easily corruptible they are. Well, oh, I, I, I can tell you at one time I taught eighth grade science in a cr- supposed, quote, it was Armenian, of course, a Christian school. And I was told not to present, even as a, you know, not to present the six-day creation theory. Really? I was told that. Oh, yeah, that's what I was told. You know, you cannot be presenting that. What are our children going to do when they go to college? <laughs> interesting interesting well, yeah well, yeah well being, being, they, they they want their children to be 
of the world. Yes. Well, uh, brothers, I, I, I'm gonna we're gonna bring this to a close. And if there's anybody, the people that are in the room, if they have any questions, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the, the you know, the recorder recorder, and we'll have a little bit of fellowship. But listen, I I really uh, I really uh, thank you, Ed, for coming. Come and, and I'd like to do another broadcast, uh, you know, when you, when you, when we can schedule it. So, well, thank you. I'd be I'd be happy to. Okay, but so I'm going to close the broadcast, and I, you know, I, I'm just I'm thankful because you know the ones that are listening here, and I let it run over. We've been going now an hour and twenty five minutes, but the ones that are here, oh, I, I, the more I I see what's going on, you know, only only if only if God gives you eyes to see and ears yeah. to hear. I mean, the ones that are here that have stayed an hour and twenty five minutes, they know all these hoaxes. But the thing of it is, it is good to get together and realize because when you go out into the world to go to the bank or the store, you are by yourself. I mean, you know, and and you're going to, you know, and because and, there's a lot of people, I have even neighbors, you know, that even told me that evolution has been proven. It's a scientific fact and stuff. But anyway, I'm going to close it. And, you know, I, I you know, and I just I, I, I just thank uh, everybody that's came and I. And, and and you know, and the ones that will listen in the future, and to uh, uh, I I because uh, I I think we're, we're at a time where you know we are in the wilderness, you know, because uh, you this conversation could never last an hour and twenty five minutes in any secular evangelical world, you know. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna close it, in, you know, right now. So we'll we'll see you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.